In this modern age, Perfect. too many people have lost sight of the true meaning of Christmas. Mom! Hush! Shut up, Ralphie! So now, in the spirit of the original... I made it, you! Stop! Tradition. American Christmas. Thanks a lot! MGM presents A Christmas Story. Completely, well, peripherally related. Um, so there's a there's a big electric billboard right outside my office building that okay. I can that I can see from my desk, and so it it cycles, you know, through like four different ads just on a on like a two minute loop. And one of do you the, have an office with a window or something? No, no, no. I I work in a cubicle, but but it's a it, it's the same thing every office does now, where it's an open floor plan. So like I don't uh, like really have walls, so I can yeah. see to the window. Um, no, I'm not that important. Uh, and that's by design. I mean, I just want to preface the rest of what you're saying with, I think that we should put cubicle walls back up because I hate talking to people. hundred percent in favor (laughs) of cubicle walls. My sister has an office every, she, uh, she shares it with another person, but it's two person office because like the company she worked for did research and is like, yeah, actually we get more done if we just actually have offices and yeah and stay and so separate people from don't each other. bother each other yeah. jeez uh, anyway anyway Anyways. so you see this ad i see this billboard one one of the four ads every time is a movie it, always a movie um okay and like so that means like for a month and a half there was a 50 shades freed billboard like outside <laughs> outside my office oh tantalizing yes uh were you trying to say tantalizing and titillating at the same time? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay. Then, Retraction for the tweet. And then, uh, and then it was like Incredibles two at one point. And right now it's this new Disney movie that's coming out. I think tomorrow. The Nutcracker. Called the Nutcracker in the Four Realms. Yeah. Uh, which I we saw a trailer for I think before Incredibles two, and we're like, well, that looks dumb as hell. We don't need fucking. <sighs> Riverdale Dark Nutcracker. Uh, <laughs> it does have that kind of like blue aesthetic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Jake Whitehall is in it and he's hot. Is, okay. Uh, Morgan Freeman's got an eye patch. Um, Why is Morgan Freeman in Disney movies when he's a sexual predator? I know. I, that's, that is interesting because like in 2012, I remember talking to people. I think it was like. I think I met someone who used to work at Cantor's or something. Oh my god! And she's and she's like, oh yeah, Morgan Freeman came in once, and he's a real piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> she knew before everyone else. Before everyone else. Ugh! Um, what kind of a? I don't know what kind of power that is. It's like you hold so much power because it's the truth, but no one believes you. Right. And then years later, you're validated, and then what happens? Nothing. <laughs> Not to go into an existential crisis immediately over Morgan Freeman at like no, the first ten minutes of this podcast it's episode. It's it's fine. I'm mad at him too. Yeah. Um, He's I'm, not I'm, God. You can't look. Here's the thing, folks. If you're listening, this isn't coming out till like December. But if right. you're listening to this, and if you um, if you still share like any sort of Morgan Freeman memes on your social media, uh, <laughs> stop it. Don't yeah. do, don't share that fucking bullshit uh, picture of Morgan Freeman 
text, happy birthday, you just read that in my voice. Don't give me that. Oh my god, yes! I see that one all the time still. Maybe I should unfriend those people. I hate that shit. You know what? Replace (laughs) it with someone else with a distinctive voice. Put a picture of uh, fucking uh, Terry Gross up there or something. I don't know. But we'll think of someone Terry better. Gross. <laughs> we'll think. I'll think of a better name and I'll read it in when I'm doing uh, the editing. <laughs> the editing is gonna be like, think of someone like. <laughs> think of someone like Larry David. <laughs> Hey everyone, glad tidings of probably should have known better. Uh, I'm uh, strong start, bro. We're strong. celebrating comedy that has aged very poorly. My na- I'm plowing right through. I don't care. Do it. Yeah. My name is Tony Ginocchio. I am Ooh. here as always with a dear friend, someone who makes every day merry, not just <laughs> Christmas. It's Nadia Vasquez. Yay! Ho, 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 bitches! <laughs> it, we are recording on November 1st. It yeah, is what our, up? It it's is Christmas our, time. Our Chris- it officially starts for me on November 1st. I did listen to NSYNC's Merry Christmas album. There you go. Uh, we are recording our Christmas episode super early as part yes. of our marathon recording blitz to get as many episodes in as possible before my baby is born. <laughs> you have a baby! By now you have a baby, and I love her already. By now, uh, I will have a baby. It will be about six weeks old. Uh, I like that it, you called it it. Sorry. Uh, well, I, the baby hasn't told me its preferred pronouns yet, so... Oh! <laughs> Touche, my I pal. used that joke with my therapist when she called me on exactly the same thing, on saying it to describe the baby, and she laughed her ass off. <laughs> I, that was pretty good. I didn't yeah. expect it. It was good. It was good. What a turn. <laughs> Anyways, so as we often do in this podcast, it's mainly just me bragging about uh, jokes that really killed in my therapy session. Yeah, but... and how you impregnated a woman. <laughs> good for you. I don't have sperm. I'm sorry. <laughs> but Goddamn. Al- but also we talk about um, uh, talk about works of comedy that uh, seen through the harsh light of today are incredible. <laughs> Are incredibly is it a shitty. harsh light or is it a beautiful, pure light of education and empathy? <laughs> it is a cleansing fire, to be sure. <laughs> um, but before we get into our selection today, I wanted to ask you this question, Nadia. Yes. Um, because it is our Christmas episode, I was so excited to do a Christmas episode. Because yes. there's a ton of Christmas movies. Some of them are not very good at all. Some of them are not very good at all, but there are some that I think a lot of families, including mine, like watch just every year and just yes. give a give a disproportionate and I would say unjustified amount <laughs> of sentimental value to. And yeah. I was I was wondering for you, were there movies like that in your family that you like watched every year growing up, or are there ones you watch every year now? So, okay, my family, we're not like a traditional Christmas movie family. 
We're we're more like whatever's on, we'll watch. But if it's the same movie, we'll watch it again and again. Uh, examples of this hilariously are the other sister, uh, <laughs> the Devil Wears Prada, uh, basically anything with Anne Hathaway. Ocean's Eleven's and also a really big one. Sure, everyone will sit down and watch that. But as far as Christmas goes, I tried to instate a, a an elf tradition. So nice, I, which I which is a great movie. It's I think the best Christmas movie because it's hilarious and it's wholesome and there's good music, and also there's nobody annoying in it. it I mean, a lot of people think Will Ferrell is annoying, but I think he's a genius. No, he is perfect in that role. Has a blonde pre New Girl Zoe Deschanel. Yes, yeah. pre Five Hundred Days of Summer even. Yeah. Uh yeah no it's that that's a good one. I personally watch that and then people in my family join. And I mm. think that's kind of how that works. But the one that I will religiously watch on my own is Love Actually. Mm-hmm. That, I feel like that's my favorite kind of more adult Christmas movie. Yeah, that is that is also one in our household as well. Um, oh, you watch the weird sex scenes with your family? No, not not with my family. My, my oh. household now. So me and oh. Stacey. <laughs> um, and it, definitely there are parts of Love Actually that do not hold up at all. No. Uh, but um, we watch that one pretty much every year. Um, and, and, you know, like you said, Nadia, the uh, my family had these staple movies. For some reason, the musical version of Little Shop of Horrors uh, was a, a staple that we rented from the library all the time. With Rick Moranis? With M- Rick Moranis. Oh, yeah. my God. Shout out to Matt Portman, Rick Moranis lookalike. <laughs> <laughs> it's our second shout out to Matt Portman on the podcast. He's made a big impact on my life, clearly. <laughs> well, mine, mine too. He, you know, he hosted an improv show that we both uh, performed in. <laughs> yeah, and he's also great. We love you, Matt Portman. No, no, we love you, Matt Portman. You're great. Um, <laughs> but uh, in terms of Christmas movies, one that we watch like every year that I just think is so funny, even though it is clearly not good at all is uh, Jingle All the Way. Uh, with oh, is, isn't that Arnold Schwarzenegger's Ar- movie? Ar- Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sinbad. Uh, <gasps> I've Rita, never seen it, but now I want to. Rita Wilson, and the kid is, I believe, Jake Lloyd, Anakin Skywalker himself. Uh, and it the is... The little kid, Anakin yeah. Skywalker? Yes. Oh, my God. I didn't even watch any of those Star Wars movies. Sorry. That was the correct decision. <laughs> um, it is Jingle All the Way is the dumbest Christmas movie of all time, and I love it so much. Um, what, the, the other Christmas movie that is also dumb that my sister likes is the one where Ben Affleck goes home to James Gandolfini. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that Surviving Christmas? Is that That one? one, yeah, she loves that one. I never sit in for that one. It's like, I remember, like, my family... Like, I think it was on my mom's side of the family. I think it was my mom's sister. Like, they saw it in theaters, like, purely because of Gandolfini. Like, oh, no way! I thought you were going to say because they thought Ben Affleck was hot, but no, this one is a totally different direction. Because they, they're Italian and they love The Sopranos. Hell so, yeah! So they went and they're like, wow, this is really quite terrible. <laughs> it was not <laughs> worth seeing this in theaters. But then it became a family favorite. Yeah. Aww. Uh, um, but our selection today... Uh, I mean, it, do we have to? Can we talk about all those other ones? Our selection today is God. one that a lot of people love as a sentimental favorite. A lot of people watch every year because they don't have a choice because it's on 
TBS and or TNT <laughs> 24 hours a day. Folks, we're going to 1983. We're going uh, to Bob Clark, the director. You already know what it is. It's a Christmas story. Boo. Uh, which, <laughs> out of all of the Christmas movies out there, this one really blows ass. I don't... It really, truly is a shit house. I hate it. Just, I hate it. Just. But I don't understand, Tony. I don't get it. I need you to sit me down and explain why people love this movie so much. It's we, not funny. It's we loud. Have, we have an inexplicable national obsession with this film. I don't get it. This nothing movie, happens. This movie, Nadia. You're right that nothing happens. We'll get to that. <laughs> this movie came out uh, shortly before Thanksgiving 1983. Okay. Uh, it was a modest success, made about $2 million in its opening weekend. Now, by the time Christmas came around, this movie wasn't in theaters anymore. Like, the, the run had ended, and people went to their theaters and said, you gotta bring back a Christmas story, because it's so fucking good. And what? so theaters brought it back, suddenly it became this sleeper hit at the end of 1983, made about 20 million bucks at the box office, but the real life of this film has been in broadcasts on cable where it has built this bizarre following that I don't understand. Uh, it was first broadcast, actually HBO showed it first um, out of all the cable nets, but right what? now... Yeah, right now, Turner owns the broadcast rights to the film, and that means that since 1997, so 21 years, counting the one we're about to have, since 1997, they have aired the film on a loop for 24 hours on either TBS, TNT, or, again, befuddlingly, in recent years, both at the same time. The... <laughs> The marathon consistently outperforms broadcast networks in ratings on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Usually starts like 8 p.m. Christmas Eve goes into the next day. Uh, for many, it is a great place to switch over when they don't want to talk to their relatives and when the Harry Potter marathon on Freeform has hit a commercial break. Um, <laughs> there are somehow six other films set in the Christmas Story universe. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah. Uh, I don't understand! However, the cast pretty much changed every time, but they were all focused on, on this family and based on the work of Gene Shepard. Uh, most of these films actually uh, were produced to air on TV, on PBS. Uh, the film was also adapted into a Broadway musical in 2012. <laughs> it was nominated for three Tonys, including Best Musical, it is, I believe, the first of our selections that is preserved in the Library of Congress National Film Registry for being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, the film itself, uh, of course, is based on a series of written and radio stories by uh, writer Gene Shepard. Gene Shepard narrates the film as well, and he co-wrote the screenplay. Several of the stories adapted into this film first ap appeared in Playboy magazine, and they were collected in a book titled In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash. Uh, mm, so this coming year, in about eight weeks, 
I'm gonna probably, well, actually, I'm gonna have a baby, so I'm probably not gonna see my extended family. But, <laughs> but if I do, we're gonna be, there's gonna be a group of people in the kitchen talking about something. The conversation's gonna swing around to the fucking migrant caravan or some shit, and then I'm not gonna want to talk to them because I'm gonna punch someone in the face. <laughs> Because they're, you know, because because I know which direction that conversation's gonna go, and yeah. then I'm gonna walk into the other room where the TV is, and I'm gonna be like, maybe there will be a football game, maybe fucking Lord of the Rings is gonna be on, you know, something <laughs> like that, and it's gonna be fucking 24-hour broadcast of a Christmas story, and I'm gonna be like, <laughs> this is better than talking politics with my family. I mean, I guess. <laughs> it's still a form of suffering. We have to call a spade a spade. You know what I mean? Like you're going to be suffering, but this is the least amount of suffering, especially because you can remember all the things we talked about and you can giggle to yourself <laughs> fondly instead of, you know, wanting to jump out a window. <laughs> so, Nadia, this is we're going back in time again another film that came out before we were born but that we can't escape uh, 19... <laughs> uh yeah 1983 talk to me okay 1983 was actually a super cool year as far as pop culture goes let me tell you why buddy old pal fraggle rock was a big hit okay pre- now we're talking it, yeah january of 83 it premiered on hbo hilariously and it was the, HBO's first original, one of their first original programs that was created and produced by Jim Henson, obviously. Wow, that's uh, it, wild that it was one of the first originals. Isn't that crazy? It, like, it went like Fraggle Rock, then a gap, <laughs> then Tales from the Crypt, then a gap, <laughs> then Sopranos. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then Crashing by Pete Holmes, which isn't <laughs> as good as I wish it was. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, yeah, no, so Fraggle Rock was one really successful show. It went on for 96 episodes and ran until 1987. I'm talking about really interesting things and not a Christmas story. Other things that premiered that year and debuted was the Mario Brothers game. Oh, it, no kidding. The, like, really, like the very first one? Um, it was for NES, so yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it premiered in Japan in July and then later in the United States, and it was a really, obviously, a really big hit. That was also the year that Michael Jackson's hair was accidentally set on fire during the <laughs> Pepsi commercial photo sh- or commercial shoot. Uh, so instead of, of suing Pepsi, he asked Pepsi to fund the creation of a burn center. So there's some good that came out in 1983. Fantastic. Michael Jackson, as always... Doing good for everyone around him. Truly, truly. Uh, the person of the year in Time Magazine was unfortunately Ronald Reagan. Ugh. Um, that was also the year, unfortunately, that we lost Karen Carpenter Ugh. to an eating disorder. But it did open up a lot of dialogue about anorexia and other eating disorders. So that is some good that came out of that. It was just, um, well, I mean, I can't really say that that was good, so... Forget I never said that. <laughs> no, it's 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 tragic for sure because Karen Carpenter is very talented and also nobody should die of an eating disorder. Um, yeah. But if it started a, a conversation about it on a broader scale, um, then that is something at least. Some sort Absolutely. of hope in the darkness. Which it sounds like is everything you are looking for in 1983. Is like, what is hope in the year <laughs> that gave us a Christmas story? 
Uh, in addition to that, this is a fun fact. If you're born in 1983, you're a member of the Generation X, Generation Y, and Millennial. I don't know how that works. I get, I get how it's right on the line of Gen X and Millennial. I, I that makes sense to me. But Gen, that's too old for Gen Y though. Gen Y is like the kids that are in school now. That's what I said, but this is what it says on my on my very trusted internet site that I get my pop culture from. <laughs> okay, well, fine. You're in all three generations, folks. Yes. Uh, the series finale of MASH was that year. Mm. Uh, it was pretty great. Uh, Largest... Everyone... Uh, sorry, I keep interrupting you. I feel No, bad. that's okay. It was watched by 125 yeah. million people. I love that you want to mansplain my part of the podcast, <laughs> but that's fine. <laughs> this is the gonna... place where we learn and grow. I'm going to shut up uh, for the rest of the episode. You gotta, no, it's fine. You gotta no, I can't carry yourself. this one because I fucking hate this movie. <laughs> It'll be ten minutes long. I'll just be like, don't fucking watch it. Everyone screams the whole time. <laughs> anyway, uh, the Monty Python's Meaning of Life came out. Another movie you should probably watch that is better. Uh, the Return of the Jedi was the top grossing film of that year, in addition to which were Turns of Endearment. Flash Dance, Trading Places, War Games, and Octopussy. Uh, Risky Business barely made it up to number 10. We are 100% watching Flash Dance for a future episode. Oh, definitely. Flash... I haven't seen that since it was a young child, so I can't wait. Flash Dance is such a piece of shit. <laughs> it's appalling. It's uh, pretty bad. Anyways. But yeah, the um, top TV shows, this is very interesting. It was Dallas followed by 60 Minutes. Everybody stopped what they were doing and watched 60 Minutes. Oh, there's barely any cable at this point too, right? Exactly. Everything yeah. that was popular, which is still true today, is on CBS. Uh, <laughs> the top two shows were on CBS. The third was Dynasty on ABC, followed, of course, in fourth place by NBC with the A-Team. <laughs> uh, the rest was CBS. It was Simon and Simon, Magnum PI, a show called Falcon Crest, which I've never heard of, uh, and a bunch of other kind of vague ones that nobody really watches now. Uh, but the most interesting thing I think was that uh, this was a really awesome time for music. I think my parents basically raised me on this stuff. It was Hall and Oates was really big, Journey, uh, Billy Joel, Bonnie Tyler, Culture Club, all of that good stuff. I fucking adored Journey when I was oh, in high school. <laughs> it's the best. Journey is the best. Yeah. I, I will defend Journey to the death. Whenever people talk shit about Journey, I'm like, okay, you just <laughs> hate being happy. Um, I have heard Don't Stop Believing in a bar like too many times, though. To Wow, like... that means you went all the way to the end of closing. Because yeah. always play that at the end. Well, no, okay, so there was... We might cut this. So there, so the bar within walking distance of my school was called uh, the Linebacker Lounge. Everybody called it the Backer. Um, <laughs> and Backer music was just like, just this just horrible pastiche of 80s and 90s shit. There was no, no hip-hop at all because the student body at our school was almost entirely white. Uh, and it was just a lot of like classic rock and... 500 miles and dance number stuff and like don't stop believing got played every night um but it was not the closer because the closing sequence <laughs> in order was um god bless the usa by lee greenwood 
then Piano Man by Billy Joel, then the Notre Dame Victory March. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't expect that. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. That is so wild. I honestly, like, I love the 80s, not because of the VH1 show, but I feel like that was a really, it was still a simpler time. It was obviously before the internet and cable started to come out. But everybody basically watched the same things and listened to the same things. It was and, a lot a lot simpler from a cultural perspective. Yes. Yeah, and I think I feel like sometimes I miss a little bit of understanding what people are talking about a lot of the time <laughs> because people are like, oh, have you seen this? It's on this obscure thing or it's on YouTube. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. And I have nothing in common with anyone anymore. But, yeah. you don't know, maybe it's just because I need to branch out on my interests. <laughs> Anyway, this is mainly a podcast where we self-reflect. Yeah, yeah. This is where we learn and grow and realize that we got to, you know, step up our game. Yeah. So let's let's talk about this shitty, shitty film. Um, Mm. And I know I know what some of you listeners are thinking. You're thinking, Tony and Nadia. I love a Christmas story. I grew up watching a Christmas story. How dare you attack this film that I love? To, to which I say, uh, fuck your sacred cows. Uh, <laughs> this podcast knows no gods and no masters. Uh, we're smashing idols left and right. We will take down a Christmas story. Uh, Nadia, what do you think of the film? I think it's a piece of shit. I hate it! <laughs> this, is, this is a film that is basically all of the not fun parts of Malcolm in the Middle squished together. Oh, that's such a good observation. I love Malcolm in the Middle. I think the writing is incredible and also Brian Cranston. It's Brian Cranston. Yeah, untouchable. 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 The the one scene that I love is they're having a hard time financially and he's like to his wife, he's like, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. And he goes into the car and just scream cries and Malcolm (laughs) is in the back for some reason. I forget why. And he's just like, why? just so real and perfect i love him so much but nothing in this movie made me say that was so nice or that was so funny it was just like screaming dialogue horrible children voices screaming dialogue a horrible father screaming dialogue a mother who was awful screaming dialogue and i'm just like didn't anyone say hey you're mic'd you don't have to yell just a t- and and it's a movie. You'll be very large on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Tone it down. Tone it down. There are I mean, there are speakers oh, in the theater. So. Absolutely. And you know what? I uh, game recognized game. Some of the kid actors are pretty damn good, especially kind of more the side characters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I don't understand what the point of it is. I don't understand. The want is obviously that he wants this like air rifle BB gun thing. Yeah, guys. You but, know, but that's the- it. You know that hilarious storyline we all love about a kid trying to get his hands on a gun? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I also don't like the perpetual message that families are supposed to be mean to their children. Yeah. And that their children aren't considered equal or listened to at all. I think that is such a shitty trope. And I hate that people find this to be such a classic movie when it's about 
kids who are basically ignored the whole time. Like when when his little brother is uh, putting on that weird little snow outfit and he's crying. He's like, I can't put my arms down. And he's just like whining the whole time. Just like, well, why don't they just not put it on him? There is so much misery in this Christmas movie. Like... That's why everyone loves it, because everyone's miserable. And, like, (laughs) to some degree, like, okay, so some of the misery is clearly the result of capital, of the commercialization of Christmas. Oh, of course. A very obvious kind of theme throughout the film. And I'm all about that. Stay woke. I'm like, yeah, tear it all down. But... (laughs) Then a lot of it is just kids are fucking idiots and your parents will yell at you all the time. Um, And there is, a like you said, there's so much screaming dialogue. That screaming dialogue, though, is also intercut with narration by Gene Shepard, the writer, um, which is, like, there's a lot of, like, sentences that clearly are like, I enjoy being a writer, and I'm going to yeah. make this writer-ass sentence. <laughs> um, it's just like a j- circle jerk of, like, yeah. long sentences, and I'm a like, you know what? A display of mechanized electronic joy. I would rather just read this in a book and then say, oh, this kind of sucks, and then close it, and then it's over. <laughs> and, and you're only engaging one of your senses now. Exactly! Exactly! I'm telling you, I put this movie on mute and put the subtitles on because i just couldn't handle all of the screaming i'm not in the mood for this i i hear people complaining all day i live in los angeles everyone complains but this is supposed to be a christmas movie i'm supposed to be happy and thinking about santa and all of that good stuff and i am not santa's horrible in this movie oh he's they the even worst. ruin santa and like the and the other thing like you said, this would have been better in a book because you could put it down. Well, this is clearly, like, based on a handful of short stories because there's not really a consistent plot line right. throughout the film. Right, just a bunch of things that happen. bunch of things that happen. And the worst part is, because it's just a bunch of things that happen, so many of these scenes just take so much longer than they have to. The scene where he gets his lamp and he opens the box? yeah. Why did that take like five minutes? Forever. (laughs) Runs out into the street. You're like, guys, you gotta look at the lamp. You gotta look at the lamp, guys. Just goes on and on and on. It is a 90 minute film. That is the least amount of movie that you can really put on the screen (laughs) and have it count as a movie. Uh, And it feels eternal. It's like seeing a really bad sketch show for a writer from like writers who like don't know how to edit. But yeah. somehow they used millions of dollars to make it. <laughs> and then they made millions of people watch it. Now, have I watched every single one of those sketch shows that Nadia is describing? Yes, of yeah. course. <laughs> yeah, I was there too. <laughs> yeah. You know, I actually probably had more fun at those sketch shows because I got to talk about it after and what I think could have been better. In this case, what could have been better is that it should have been made. <laughs> No, this this movie should not have been made. It is strange that it was made. It is far stranger that it continues to be revered in the yeah. Christmas movie canon. I mean, not to be 
not to sound horny on Maine, but like nobody's even hot in the movie. Like the teacher's not hot, the parents aren't hot. Like, give me a hot person. Well, this movie is set in the 1940s, and I do want to talk a little bit about the chronology and fan theories around this film because, believe it or not, there are some. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> There's uh, just no hot people in the 40s. We right, kind of just yeah, started for- sprouting up in the 70s. The, the 40s was before we invented hot people. The first hot person, <laughs> the first hot person was Farrah Fawcett. We all know that. And then Wow. How de- dare you? How dare you? Marilyn Monroe was a babe. Uh she she was. She absolutely was. I was just riffing and I had to think of a hot person from the 70s you on Farrah the spot. Farrah Fawcett. I love you because no. <laughs> Buddy. No, I know. Marilyn Monroe, first centerfold in Playboy. Uh, I get Hello. it. She was a size 12, which today would not be considered hot. Uh, she uh, was a size 12, which in that time was actually a size 6. Still <gasps> average, but... Are you serious? Yeah. You just all shattered that... my world. You know what? I love the body positive movement, and I think it's great, but I also think that they need to be honest because a size 12 in that time is actually a size six so in reality she still was pretty thin holy shit but we think that a size six is large and so we're projecting our prejudices of a size six onto Marilyn Monroe and saying that she's quote-unquote big but she's still thin which means that everyone else that we see who's smaller is thinner and that's a problem anyway (laughs) like I'm I'm already sitting down, but I need to sit down. Yeah, I'm sorry that I made you so shook, buddy. That's okay. (laughs) So, nobody in the film is hot. No. The protagonist of the film is a young child named Ralphie, and Nadia, here's the thing, like, I was not a bully at any point in my life. I believe it. And I wasn't bullied either like i generally could get along with most people when i was in like grade school and high school oh that's lucky of you yeah i wasn't popular by any means but like i could i could get along with people okay i would have bullied the shit out of this kid (laughs) yeah he's a little shitbag i don't like this kid he has he has no charm i don't know if it's just the actor or the character but there is, he's not a charming child. To, to make him the lead in a movie is very interesting. I wasn't very interested at all. Yeah. In anything. So the film opens. <laughs> um, film opens in a fictional town in northern Indiana. It's based on Hammond. Hammond, Indiana is directly across the state line from Chicago. There's a casino there. Nice. Uh, yeah. Um, it is otherwise, <laughs> from what I understand generally a perfectly mediocre place to live we start hearing gene shepherd's narration and it's like there it is there's the house i grew up in um honestly a lot of narration and establishment early on yeah it's mostly listening to a man mansplain his childhood (laughs) i have zero interest in any of this uh the cool part is i do like the window display that all of the characters kind of gather around at the beginning, and they look at all these cool new hip toys. It, it gives you a little bit of a glimpse of pre-bombarding of advertising on TV. So if you, got, if you wanted to see what was a popular toy, you would actually have to go out and look at the toy store. I think that's a very nice tradition. That There's is no... no... Oh, huh? sorry, go ahead. No, sorry, okay. go ahead. No, please. 
Uh, I was gonna, now I feel like I'm mansplaining again. Oh, yeah, uh, please do. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, there was no fucking TV when this movie was set. Yeah. They literally listened to the radio at multiple points. It's sweet. Yeah, I know. I think that I, maybe the nostalgia for the movie is the nostalgia for a simpler time and seeing that kind of thing, but there are plenty of other things you can watch besides this. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we, we learned pretty early on that Ralphie doesn't really have a voice in his house. This isn't something that kids should want at the time. So I feel like that is a very like modern lens yeah. to look at th- look through. But uh, he really wants this stupid air rifle gun. It's a Red Rider BB gun. It's got a thing that tells time on it. Right. Which why, why would you need that? <laughs> but he wants to shoot bad guys who in in a fantasy sequence are mostly black. Can we can we fucking talk about that fantasy sequence? <laughs> First of all, it was like 5 minutes too long. <laughs> Jeez, there is a dream sequence in this film. So okay, the only like real storyline that carries through the whole film is Ralphie really wants a fucking air rifle for Christmas. And he has this <laughs> fantasy sequence early on where burglars who are the only people of color in the entire film. Well, there is one black kid at the uh, when the kid uh, gets his tongue Sticks stuck his tongue in the pole, but that was it. That's it. <laughs> like some of the only people of color in the film, they're wearing like comical, like you know, striped Hamburglar shirts, um, <laughs> and Ralphie literally murders them with his <laughs> rifle. Like literally writhing on the ground, he killed four men in this fantasy scene. One by shooting them in the ass, which I loved. <laughs> that one's I love. Yeah, but so he killed them and two of them were black. And then one what was the name? It said black in the name. Black Bart, who's like a, a kind of stereotypical western uh bad guy. Right. And I was just like, okay. And his family lauded him and they loved him for saving their life and the whole thing. Uh, So, you know, obviously he has an emotional need to have this air rifle because he thinks that by getting that, he can get the respect of his family. Like, it's a respect thing. It's just a straight up greed thing. I just... It's bad. That dream sequence like at first i was like should we watch a christmas story it's bad but will we find like specific things to talk about and then that dream sequence came and i was like oh yeah this movie will be fine <laughs> like, that that's been the case with like a hundred percent of these is i i like kind of remember them and then i start watching them and i'm like oh yeah yeah we'll be fine um so let's talk about ralphie's family a little okay um we got his dad who's an asshole. Um, and uh, Gene Shepard says at one point, quote, some men are Baptists, others Catholics. My father was an Oldsmobile man. <laughs> I don't know what that fucking means. Uh, everybody who likes Oldsmobile, Oldsmobiles are like Catholics. They're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> The dad's I don't know. I can't tell you. I can't, like, rationalize anything that's said. The dad's main hobby is cursing at the furnace. Um, he yeah. goes down into the basement, and we just... 
we hear like indistinct yelling in the background and then you hear gene shepherd going my dad would let up a symphony of cursing with crescendos of ethnic slurs or like whatever he's fucking saying but like just yeah. this overwritten narration accompanying all of it yeah it's not great i uh, the dad character is interesting because you know I feel like at that time period, it is kind of accurate. It was like the dad comes home. He doesn't want to be bothered. But every time that one of the kids is going through something, he's annoyed or is just shooed away because he's not yeah. the one that has to deal with it. So that gives you an indication of how frustrated the mom is. And she is just depressed. <laughs> This is before people knew what depression was, but like, she's just not a happy lady. She needs help. Yeah, yeah. So, I, like I said, nothing really happens in the movie. We can definitely go through and do, like, the vignettes or the sketches <laughs> that it includes. But at the very base of everything, it's just that these people are pretty miserable. Just life is just so miserable. Yeah. I don't know what the mom wants, the dad, I don't know what he wants. The I don't dad... like there there's no there's no objective for anyone except for Ralphie and it's for a toy. Now, this is as I understand it because I was not alive in 1940. <laughs> uh, this is a time before people looked for fulfillment in their lives. Right. <laughs> this was like the man was looking for a job so he could right. provide. Right. And the woman was looking for basically a man to marry for what was essentially economic stability like right is it like this is before world war Two? this is before women were in in the workforce in any meaningful way um <laughs> just uh just like so no the parents don't want anything other than the dad wants a furnace so he can stop fixing it the mom <laughs> doesn't seem to have any sense of purpose and that seems to be destroying her from the inside <laughs> beautifully there's, put there's ralphie who wants a gun uh which is like truly troubling seen through the lens of today and then there's uh then there's the brother who like doesn't eat and that's like the gag yeah what is that about and he's like every again gene shepherd i think i wrote this one down yeah, every family has a kid who won't eat. And and my first thought was like, do do they? No, they don't. Because <laughs> we didn't have that kid. Yeah. I don't know. I There are no real universal stories being told in this movie. I feel like it's just like about a bunch of bratty people who are being bratty. Like, that's, that's what's so wild is I do not consider a lot of this to be universal. It's like, hey, you know how you went to see the mall Santa and he turned out to be a shitty human being? Um, <laughs> and it's like, well, no, that doesn't actually happen now really a lot of the time at all. Uh, yeah. It's like, hey, you know when that kid got his tongue stuck to the flagpole? It's like, well, no, no kid, kids are stupid, but that level of stupidity didn't really happen when I was growing up. Uh, you remember when you just mercilessly beat the shit out of your childhood bully? It's like, well, n no, I don't no. remember that at all. <laughs> um, so, so, remember, and then, like, another early scene. Hey, remember when you and all the other kids in your class would 
put in fake teeth as a prank. What was that about? The, I understood none of that. None of it was funny or like an actual gag. Like the teeth especially. All these kids were just like giggling and having little teeth. And then she's like, give me your teeth. And, yeah, and then they all had hand. to walk up and drop off their teeth in her hand. Which I assume those weren't her teeth. Right. Well, I was just concerned that they would fall out of her hand because there's so many teeth. And then she just put them in a drawer with other toys. Other and prank And then they items, never talked yeah. about the prank items again. And I'm like, oh, cool. It's a movie about pranks, but it's not. No. Uh, the mess at this point, I wrote down that the and the flagpole scene, you all know the flagpole scene, folks. Mm-hmm. Kid triple dog dares another kid. A whole fucking paragraph of narration on how serious a triple dog dare is uh to stick his tongue to a flagpole he sticks his tongue to a flagpole can't get the tongue off they gotta call the fire department it's not funny at all it's at this point i wrote down what i thought the message of the film was which was kids they're fucking idiots (laughs) i mean i guess i guess that's what the theme is (sighs) anyways so they recover the kid and then uh they're assigned a th- what what the teacher calls a theme but basically they got to write a, a paper on what they want for christmas and for some reason ralphie thinks that if he can convince his teacher that getting the air rifle is a good idea he'll get it like i don't understand like he tries to convince his mom right by planting an ad in her copy of look magazine which like whatever that's not going to work but i understand why you're targeting your mom <laughs> your yeah teacher... absolutely but why the teacher he thinks that his teacher is going to be like hey so ralphie wrote this really good paper on this and i think you should do like give him this fucking gun yeah like the teacher like ralphie believes in santa so like he he doesn't He's telling his mom because he thinks, like, I'm trying to trace a child's logic, I know. But he's telling his mom because he knows his mom is the main conduit to Santa, right? Right. For telling him whether he was a good boy or not. Right. Why is he telling his teacher? (laughs) Uh, Okay, okay. My theory is, back in the day, teachers were also authority figures, probably more authority figures than their parents because their parents were always like nagging right and the teachers would would, like humor them and think they were interesting and funny and the whole thing and and obviously they're trying to establish that these kids are doing pranks so like maybe she doesn't have that much of a sense of humor but she's pretty cool that's what i think like if we want to if the writer actually took the time to give us more context clues this could have been the reason but why why have context clues when you can just have narration yeah i i don't understand the narration as a plot device i feel like it doesn't move the story forward it actually just keeps it still for it keeps it in stasis that's exactly right that is exactly right it's really really hard to get through this movie it's really hard i almost wanted to just fast forward through it and skim it i was just like what is the point of this you've said that about like half of these movies I mean, they're bad. I understand why you're No, but this one, this one, I was getting angry. I was just this, like, I'm never going to get this time back in my life. And this I'm upset. One, this one feels especially slow. 
Um, <clears throat> there is a... They're walking home from school, and the rat-faced bully kid, the uh, Scott Farkas... Doesn't he look like him. the kid from American Pie who... Yes, supposedly, Sherman. Yeah. Yes, he looks like Sherman. That's the same guy who ate the pubes on the pizza, and she's yeah. all Yeah, is it the same kid? Oh, I don't think so. There's no way. Unless he, like, doesn't oh, age. Oh, my He's God. He's found, like... We're looking this up. Yeah, hold uh, on. I'm on it. What's his name? Uh, the character's name is Scott Farkas. Okay. Farkas. Okay, there's Paul Finch. Here it is. I swear to God, if it's him, I'm gonna just flip my shit. Fark. 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 Farkas. Farkas. American Pie. Chris Owen. Okay. So different, different guy. Chris Owen. His name is Chris Owen. I'm going down to the 80s. Oh, no. His first acting credit was 1991, so there's no way. I was about to say, he seems too young. Um, (laughs) But he looks exactly like him, except he has yellow eyes. And the reason I know he has yellow eyes is because there are three separate lines of narration in a row about his yellow eyes. Uh, And the (sighs) the bully doesn't do anything either. He just laughs evilly at them. Like, that's it. He's just like, meh, I'm standing in your way. He he stands there and laughs for what feels like 20 minutes. (laughs) And then they just, and then they just run away. Like, that's it. Bullies in my time were really bad. Like, like they would uh, say like, hey, let's eat lunch together. And then they would run away from you every time you got close or like, Uh, that's mean. Yeah. Or like spit in your food. They did that a lot with me and a couple of other girls. Uh, like I had legitimate bullies. Yeah. I'm sorry you were bullied. No, it's totally fine. I have done a lot of work on it, (laughs) but I'm amazed that this bully in the forties just stands there and laughs. And I was just like, huh? (laughs) <laughs> Why then are most old people such bitter fucks? <laughs> it's like this is after World War One, so like we know how to hurt people <laughs> as a, as a country, yeah. as a people. So so that's it. That's all that happens in that scene. Um, there's uh, Ralphie keeps checking for his little orphan Annie secret society decoder pin. We'll revisit that a little bit yeah. later, um, and then. Uh, there's, there's the dad who, by the way, the dad is not given a name in the film. He's always referred to as the old man or my old man. Um, he, uh, he gets attacked by the neighbor's dogs on the way, uh, Yeah, the, the, the whole thing about the dogs, that's like, first of all, it's not that funny, but also like, whose dogs are those? Why are they on leashes? <laughs> it was a different time, Nadia. It Why was... do they want his butt so bad? Like, the ongoing joke is that they want to bite his butt. (laughs) (laughs) It was, uh, you know, it was his, uh, it was different, you know, World War I had just ended. I'm just going to (laughs) keep doing that. Uh, We were like, we shouldn't leash dogs anymore. That's bad. Uh, And then he learns, the old man learns that he uh, won a major award. A major award. He got a telegram. This is going to be this iconic scene in the film. And I wrote, who gives a shit, like, eight times. 
camera notes for this. Well, you know what his major award is? One of the most, for some reason, iconic images, which is the leg lamp. Yeah. So he gets a lamp shipped to him in a crate, stamped fragile. And he takes like 2,000 minutes to take it out of the box. Uh, there's one gag where he says, ooh, fragile, must be Italian, because he's an adult man that's never heard or seen the word fragile before. Um, anyways, uh, the leg lamp, so it's a lamp, and it's a, it's shaped like a woman's leg wearing a fishnet thigh-high stocking. Of course. Uh, and, uh, really good saxophone cue when the leg comes out, actually. <laughs> Uh, Ralphie is clearly looking at the lamp and learning what sex is for the first time. <laughs> um, the lamp is clearly humiliating for the mother, although it's not fully explained why. Well, I mean, this was the 40s, so, you know, people weren't really showing ankles or knees. So yeah, I well, guess... it was just after, like, World War One. it just ended, right? So yeah, thank you! <laughs> so we were all a little more modest. Yeah, I guess that's embarrassing if you see a whole leg. That definitely, people would probably put, like, an Instagram filter on it and be like, it's me. <laughs> and nowadays. <laughs> Just everybody, everybody taking pictures of the family's house being like, tag yourself, I'm the leg. <laughs> Can we and- please just meme this movie? <laughs> and then somebody else is like, I'm the kid that doesn't eat. Um, and then you know when uh, his little brother's arriving on the on the floor in the snow, and someone's just like mood. <laughs> just, <laughs> just huge mood. Um, so uh, the lamp is clearly humiliating for the mother. The old man runs out into the street and yells for all the neighbors to come join him in the street and look at the lamp from the street and be like, "Look how, look how, look how amazing it is!" And that scene goes on. Forever. Forever. Uh, the narrator describes it as the soft glow of electric sex gleaming in the window. Mm, uh, electric sex? It's a leg. <laughs> speaking of electric sex, our next scene is a fantasy sequence of the teacher um, who is grading Ralphie's amazing essay. Oh, yeah, it's incredible. It's so good. It's and so good that it requires a dream sequence. So good it requires a dream sequence. Gives him an A <laughs> with multiple pluses. Essentially has an orgasm at her desk. Um, I know I throw around <laughs> that phrase a lot. Yeah. But, but that is essentially what happens. He gets lost in this fantasy. He gets lost school. in the sauce. Yeah. <laughs> Just, uh, so there's that. That fucking happens. Um they the family goes and buys a christmas tree in the following scene and it has my favorite line in the film which i'm sure you probably also noticed nadia which is the old um the old man was haggling over the price of a christmas tree yes and he's like and the narrator is like the old man loved bargaining as much as an arab trader and he was twice as shrewd I mean, I guess. <laughs> Mood. <laughs> Just the 
I'm probably going to cut this next line, but thank God the narrator wasn't like, the old man was so good at bargaining, you would have thought he was a Jew. Like, I mean, they might as well have. They might as well have written that. They made black people uh, criminals. Criminals, criminals who get shot. It's so... I don't... None of this holds up. I'm still just kind of flabbergasted that people are like, this is my favorite Christmas movie. I love... I watch it every year. It's just like, really? Uh, do you want to take us through the Queen Mother of Dirty Words, which is the next scene? Yeah, so they're riding around in the car, and Ralphie says what every parent hopes and dreams their child will never say, I guess, at that yeah. time. They're changing a tire, and Ralphie messes something up. Yeah, and he says, fuck. Now, I want to say something. <laughs> I watched my mouth around my parents until, I think, college, and I never said a bad word in front of my parents. My sister would make fun of me about it a lot, but at one point, the first word that I did say was fuck in front of my parents. And there was just like a stillness and silence and shock. <laughs> and now they get so uh, freaked out if I don't curse. <laughs> it, it, it's such a, it's such a strange moment when you say the first bad word in front of your parents and you're like 24. <laughs> yeah. I honestly, I, that is probably when I first swore in front of my parents. See, we're very uh, respectful little Catholic kids. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, because I did, I did not, and now, now I just swear all, like all the time. It's, all the fucking time. It, honestly, it's <laughs> not okay, and I need to figure out what I'm gonna do with this baby. But oh it's, shit, dude! <laughs> no, don't. That's not helping. Oh sugar. Um, so I gotta figure that. I mean, from what I'm. From what I've been told, the baby can't understand me right away, so, like, it honestly doesn't matter that much, but... Yeah, um, it doesn't fucking matter. In any event, Ralphie says fuck. He actually, in the film, he doesn't say fuck. He says fudge, and then the narrator's like, but I didn't say fudge. (laughs) Um, It's so funny. I kind of want to take a poll of our listeners of when they remember the first word the first bad word they said in front of their parents. I feel like that whole thing would, would create a conversation that was more, if not more, more beautiful and more compelling than the experience I had watching this movie. (laughs) I also think like, I'm going to just come out and say it. Fuck is not the worst thing you can say. (laughs) No. Have you ever said the C word in front of your parents? Yeah. Cause here's, Here's what I'm going to say. I say fuck a lot on this podcast. There are certain words on this podcast, including lines of dialogue from films that we've watched, that I am not comfortable repeating. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's funny because a lot of the reviews that I read, and we'll get to that, uh, was that this movie is filthy, that it is disgusting, that the language is terrible, that they can't believe that they would make a movie like this back in the day. And I'm like, this was made in the 80s. It's just set in the 40s. Like, fucking chill. (laughs) But, I mean, in the end, they did the old school thing and washed his mouth out with soap. Just put a bar of soap in his mouth. (laughs) Just stuck a bar of soap in his mouth. And the best part is, his mom is like, now where did you hear that word? And uh, the the honest answer is Ralphie heard it from his dad. Right. Uh, and the 
author has this overwritten line, My father worked in profanity the way other artists might work in oils or clay. But instead he just narks on his friend. Um, and the mom, Ralphie's mom, calls the friend's mom, who has been falsely accused of saying the fuck word. <laughs> and... And we just hear the fuck the, word. <laughs> that's what it's called. <laughs> and then we just hear the other mom through the phone just start beating the shit out of her son. It's so bad. The fuck word isn't worth that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I hate how they treat children in this movie. I hate that they're all abused and just upset. And I don't know. I, I just can't I can't get behind this as a as a classic. It was a simpler time when bullies just laughed, but parents would legit beat their kids. Yeah, and they would also force them to eat like pigs when they weren't eating. Yeah, oh god, yeah. The scene where the so the younger brother isn't eating and the mom's like, What noise does the pig make? And then she gets the brother to do a pig impression and just eat his meatloaf with his face. <laughs> and he and it goes on for at least Forever. a minute. Ever. I'm just like, what is going on? I don't know. I don't know. There's not much more I can say about this movie, TBH. Like, we can go through the whole thing, but I just fucking hate it. I no, hate it. No, it's fine. We we can we can blaze through most of this. Like, the the one the only part of the movie where I laughed though is a scene that immediately followed, which is the fantasy sequence where Ralphie goes blind from eating too much soap. He got soap poisoning. He got soap poisoning. No. So there's this fantasy sequence where he comes in. As an adult, but he's still played by um, he's still played by a child actor, Billingsley, and um, he's wearing a trench coat and a bowler hat and sunglasses, and he has a you know a, a white cane, right? And he has a mug for begging for change <laughs> on the street, <laughs> and there's like silent movie music playing, and the parents are like, what? How have you gone blind? What brought you to this lowly state? What did we do? I actually laughed at that, just because of how overwrought it is. Yeah, that was the kind of, that was a little bit of like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe the narrator wants us to like the parents. Like, that's what I thought. I was like, oh, that's funny, we're supposed to like the parents. (laughs) I don't, by the way. Anyways, the, I mean, the rest, of, I don't even know. There's the fucking Secret Society decoder pin scene. That what was took that about? Forever. That was, um, do you mean, do you mean what was that about? Like, you hated the scene? Yeah, like, what, okay. like, what is the point? I, again, I get the point that, like, commercialization of Christmas is miserable. And yes. we should go back to it being, uh, the Roman festival of Saturnalia, but... Uh, it just goes on forever. Yeah, and it's all about Ovaltine. It's like, okay. <laughs> the mom smashes the lamp at some point, and then they fight over that. And then he tries to rebuild it, and then it crumbles. Uh, but, uh, interesting scene coming up. Uh, the bully, Farkas, catches up with Ralphie. He says, listen, jerk, like, they're about to run away, and he says, listen, jerk, when I tell you to come, you better come, and I fucking spit out my drink. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, unintentionally hilarious. Just, (laughs) 
I'm sorry that I'm such a child, but oh my god. It's okay, buddy. I, under- <laughs> I understand. I'm with you. I just hate this movie. I like. I get upset thinking about it because nothing happens, and all the things that we're talking about are supposed to be plot points, but they're really not. They're just kind of like something that they think is funny happening. There's no justification for anything. Uh, I'm, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm bitter and I don't find the joy in just turning my brain off. But it's... I, I, there's just no point. There's no point. And to have it, like... To have this be a Christmas classic when the decoder scene is just telling them to buy Ovaltine. Like, I'm even thinking they're just trying to Josie and the Pussycat us. And, like, everyone after they watch this movie is like, I want some fucking quick. <laughs> Wait. Okay, so, I I apologize. I have not seen the Josie and the Pussycats film. <gasps> um, Are you serious? Yeah, sorry. My, my only familiarity with them is, of course, their characters on Riverdale. Uh, Wednesday oh, nights on the CW, folks. My God. Okay. You must watch it because you are in for such a treat. Okay. That is one of the greatest movies ever made. But are you saying, like, there was a ton of product placement? No. So, basically, in Josie and the Pussycats, there are specific songs that are released, and then the zeitgeist changes. For example, one single, uh, everyone's wearing pink. And then another single comes out. And everyone's like, ah, orange is the new pink. And then everyone starts wearing orange. And we find out, spoiler alert, that there's subliminal messaging in the music. Oh, okay. Okay. So in my, maybe, maybe this is a Christmas classic because there are subliminal messages in the movie. A, that black people are criminals. Two, that you need to buy a gun if you're going to live in America. Three. And D, yeah. Yeah, D. Drink The correct Ovaltine. sequence is A to D from Home Alone. <laughs> and D is drink Ovaltine. And then uh, Z, fucking dad suck. <laughs> so Ralphie beats up his bully while shouting ethnic slurs at him. Right. Like, the, the next big idea is to talk directly to Santa and ask him for the BB gun. Uh, now the Santa... I feel like that's actually really cute. That's doing the obvious when you're a kid. Well, yeah, no, his, his logic here makes perfect sense. Yeah. Absolutely get it. I love it. Um, so they go to, like, I guess Goshen to see the Christmas parade, which has Mickey Mouse and the Wizard of Oz in it, those beloved Christmas characters. Oh, of course. Um, the Santa in the mall is, I would call him, a bad Santa. (laughs) Would you call him a Billy Bob Thornton bad Santa or an Artie Lang bad Santa? I might go so far as to call him a bad Santa too. (laughs) You're too much. Uh, (laughs) Mood. (laughs) That feeling when you got a whole line of kids to get through. Uh, TF dub. TF dub. Um, yeah, I mean, I couldn't believe, I, I like, the only part of the movie visually that I thought was very interesting was the scene because of the way that they placed the camera, and it was from the point of view of the child. Of Ralphie, yes. I love that. I think it's great to see 
how it, I remember being afraid of Santa because he did look absolutely. I thought this was very on point with what it's like to be a kid until Santa put his shoe on his face and pushed him down the slide. <laughs> Kids have to climb up a mountain to see for some reason to see Santa and uh, <laughs> Ralphie like freezes up because because it is like this scene is actually shot pretty well. Right. It's from Ralphie's perspective. And you believe that seeing Santa is this like intimidating overwhelming uh experience absolutely i felt that this is the only part of the movie where i was like yeah this is pretty similar to life but ralphie's such a little shit that he didn't even handle his interaction with santa well no he he freezes up like a bitch (laughs) (laughs) as he's going down the slide uh away from santa he gets his bearings back he spins around, grabs the top of the slide, and yells out that he wants this Red Rider BB gun. And Santa says, you don't want one of those, you'll shoot your eye out, which is what everyone has said to him, and we <laughs> haven't mentioned that before now because we don't give a shit about this movie. Uh, and then Santa basically puts his boot on Ralphie's face and shoves him down the slide. <laughs> and then at the end, his parents are there to, like, not console him in any way. They're just like, come on, let's go. <laughs> let's go. It's getting late. So at this point, Nadia... Um, I paused the film. Oh, was it a bathroom break? Yes, uh, <laughs> but the audience doesn't need to know that. <laughs> I had rented this film on Amazon. I know, but Me it too. was the easiest oh way to God. rent the film. And when you when you watch the film on your laptop on Amazon, they have this thing called X Ray. Mm-hmm. which gives you fun facts and general trivia about the film when you pause it. Oh, and if you pause it, it'll tell you, like, what God. song is playing in the background and what actors are in the scene and stuff. <gasps> so that brings me to the next point. What was um, the fun fact you saw? Oh, my God. So here's the general trivia. Quote, there is a debate. Oh. So, so right away, like, <laughs> I'm here for this. <laughs> there, there is a debate about when the film takes place evidence seems to point to 1939 because there are wizard of oz characters and the wizard of oz came out in 1939 okay however the decoder ring which is a reference to the little orphan annie radio program that points to 1940 which is when that program Aaron had a decoder ring. However, <laughs> if you look at the calendar on the wall during the first dinner sequence, you can see that the 1st of December falls on a Friday. Now, oh. December 1st fell on a Friday in 1939, not 1940, as was previously accepted. However... Oh. At one point, they're listening to the radio, and Bing Crosby's version of Santa Claus is Coming into Town was playing, which didn't come out until 43. So there are multiple competing fan theories about when the film takes place. Complicating matters further. When Ralphie gets... Uh, when Ralphie gets his gun, finally... Spoiler alert, folks, he's gonna get the fucking rifle. Um... 
Ralphie gets his gun, and later he steps on his glasses, you can see a three-barrel hinge on the temples of his eyeglasses, which was not available until the 1980s. A glaring anachronism in the film. Wow. Well, let me tell you something. There wasn't a whole lot of tender loving care put into this movie, so I don't doubt any of this. We could just say it takes place at some fucking point when people were racist and horrible and sex wasn't allowed. There was no sex. We had not invented sex. Farrah Fawcett invented sex. Yes, exactly. In like 90 whatever. (laughs) I, I mean, I don't care. Like, honest to God, and I'm... I don't want to sound rude because I love this pod, but I do not care. Anything about this movie, I do not care about. What I really care about is understanding the people. We should have had someone who loved this movie do this episode with us because I need someone to explain why this movie is so lauded and revered. I I don't understand, Tony, I don't get it and it's frustrating it's frustrating it's like what how like why do people love eminem so much (laughs) okay why why do people stand eminem look okay (sighs) okay look i don't even know where to start (laughs) with this (laughs) obviously we don't count the post rehab albums in eminem's catalog (laughs) that should be obvious we should barely count encore that being said, the Marshall Mathers LP represents some of the best technical skill in rapping that I've heard in my life. Uh, truly incredible lyric writing. The Eminem show built on this success. You have to keep in mind, nobody, nobody sounded like this guy. Nobody was touching the lyrical content uh, the, the, or crossing as many lines as he would. He was a provocateur, that to be sure, on the Slim Shady LP. No, he definitely was. The Marshall Mather LP, yeah, he sanded off some of the edges, but he had refined everything down to a science. Okay, 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 I get it. Thank you for mansplaining Eminem. Can you mansplain why everyone loves A Christmas Story? Sorry, one last thing you said, I don't understand why people stan Eminem. Eminem invented the word stan. I know. <laughs> I Okay, why do people stan Meatloaf? Not the the singer, but yeah, I was about to say the singer the is awesome. I don't know what you're talking about. But the food, <laughs> um, I think because uh, you can get a lot of protein in small amounts. No, I think uh, I, I I don't know why people stand this movie. I think if I had to guess, we've said a lot. There's a lot of misery in this film. Okay. Um. And I think people see the misery and they say, you know, sometimes I spend Christmas with my family and it's kind of miserable and awful. And it's nice to see that sort of experience being played for comedy. Okay. But I don't want to think about that. No. (laughs) Like, I have had bad Christmases. My family has canceled Christmases in the past. So that is fine. That's fine. It's part of who I am, and I still love my family regardless. You have to love them. They're your family. But I don't want to watch a movie about that. No. 
No, definitely not. I already have to live it. I'm going to watch Elf, and I'm going to laugh, and I'm going to hide my face at the end when the, everyone starts singing, including Walter, and... <laughs> And and they're able you know it's to not until Walter sings that the sled uh, gets enough energy to I know to oh fly. my god I'm gonna cry right now I love I every time I watch this like I said I put it on and then my family kind of trickles in and watches it with me and then when that part comes up I have to hide my face because I get so emotional fucking Peter Dinklage man he turns it on for that movie he really does he does a really excellent yeah. job um okay I do want to talk about the final scene of this film okay. Uh, which is where they, uh, the dogs eat the, it doesn't matter what happens. The dogs get in, they eat the turkey. The old man loves his turkey, I guess. (laughs) And we haven't had, guys, you have to understand that we haven't actually had a lot of racism yet in the movie before the final scene. (laughs) And we really want to make sure we just get it in right at the buzzer. Yeah. So they go to the Chop Suey Palace. There's no other people in the Chinese restaurant on Christmas, which is inconceivable to me. Incorrect. I mean, I know it's northern Indiana, and there's perhaps not as many Jewish people in, like, fucking Goshen or Gary or Chesterton or whatever compared to, like, L.A. or Chicago, but come on. I know. Unbelievable. And the song that they sing? (laughs) Most quoted line of the film uh, that I heard from from everyone was deck the halls with boughs of hari it's so bad anyways they uh they bring a duck to the family uh, which you gotta order two days in advance like come on i know uh anyways they chop the duck's head off in front of the old man uh, and then the movie just ends ralphie falls asleep in bed with his gun which again feels great um feels great now Uh, yeah yeah you know what he's probably one of the people who voted for trump no ralphie gave us trump um no ralphie died he accidentally shot himself (laughs) (laughs) Uh, oh god this movie is just bad i don't understand tony i don't get it well i have two very short reviews but then there's one other kind of thing i want to talk about with regard to the movie's legacy okay um short review from uh staff review from tv guide from 1983 quote somehow usually tasteless director bob clark whose specialty was fairly vile exploitation movies and they're saying this because bob clark the director of this film is the same guy who made porkies oh my god (laughs) yeah somehow usually tasteless director bob clark managed to make a totally charming and lovable Christmas film. The laughs are non-stop, if rarely subtle. And non-stop, the whole thing, okay. The whole thing deserves to become a Christmas classic. And then the second review is Jay Carr writing for the Boston Globe in 1983. In short, A Christmas Story isn't just about Christmas. It's about childhood, and it recaptures a time and place with love and wonder. Okay, counterpoint from me. <laughs> uh... There is no love or wonder in this movie. No, not at all. It not is anger and greed. Um, anger it seems and greed. An, it seems an instant classic, a film that will give pleasure to people not only this Christmas, but many Christmases to come. 
But the last thing I want to share with you <laughs> in terms of the film's legacy, Nadia, is... So this film is set in northern Indiana. It actually filmed and it shot in Cleveland. Oh, um, cool. The house in which Ralphie's, film, uh, Ralphie's family lives in Cleveland has been restored and is now a landmark. Uh, the leg lamp is in the window. Oh, my God. You can what? visit the house during the holidays. There okay. is a live stream of the outside of the house on the webcam. Uh, it is across the street from the Christmas Story Museum. What? Featuring memorabilia from the film. What? And you can stay overnight in the neighbor's house next door. Interesting. So you can stay at the house next door to look at the leg? Yes. That's kind of funny. <laughs> You're like, you know what? It was worth it. <laughs> Yeah, now I, now I see it. Well, see, I don't want to be involved directly, so being next door is an indirect way, so I, I, th- I feel like I could live with that. <laughs> You're like, next door is about as close as I want to be to this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, sure. I feel, like, I feel like the generation that loves this movie is going to die off, and then we're going to just all be really into Elf. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, <laughs> So t- tell me what you got. Uh, we got some common sense media. We got what? W- talk to me. Yeah. So we have some kid reviews. Oh, I'm so sorry. Let me try that again. I'm... I'm so mad at this movie. I like I'm not breathing, so I'm starting <laughs> to yawn. You're rage sleeping. No, I'm starting to yawn because I'm not breathing. Cause I'm taking such short breaths. My brain is like, I need air, like dumb bitch. <laughs> okay. Uh, common sense media. The kid reviews are my favorite ones because they're always so honest. A lot of them are just like, you know, the language is pretty bad. Uh, but kid, 11 years old, posted in 1999. I'm sorry, 2009. 2009. The 1999 of the 2000s. <laughs> uh, one star. This is the dumbest movie in the world. I loved this, that one. It this has kid like is fucking rad. It has like eight que- uh, exclamation points, which I love. A uh, kid, 11 years old, wrote in 2014, a few years later, five stars. I first watched this when I was four. I have hearing loss, so I couldn't hear the bad words. <laughs> Just... Well. It's just so honest. Uh, There's a certain <laughs> level of candor I appreciate. Uh, written by user Lightning Zack Attack, 13 years old. Uh, just a little language, but don't all Americans curse? Which I feel like he has a point. Te- I mean, technically, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, like, come on, guys, the fucking president. Like, yeah, I mean, have you seen this guy? Come on. Come on. Come on. Uh, teen, 14 years old. This is actually a positive review. Uh, she, got, she gave it five stars. It says, uh, this was in 2013, by the way. Timeless Christmas classic still holds up. This movie never fails to disappoint. It's cheerful, joyful, nostalgic, gleeful, and wickedly humorous. I think she probably had to write this for, like, sidebar. I think she had to write this for some sort of class and then <laughs> print it out. 
Uh, the language. She's like, demonstrate that you can use a thesaurus. <laughs> yeah. The language and jokes are surprisingly crass for its time, which is fairly realistic for a group of kids in upper elementary school who have nothing better to do than to lick flagpoles. You know, that sounds kind of wrong. <laughs> the performances are all perfect, especially from Peter Billingsley, who infuses just the right amount of childish spirit into his character, Ralphie. <sighs> Darren McGavin's performance as the old man is one of the most memorable performances ever put on film, and he has some very good chemistry with Melinda Dillon, who is sweet and sincere as the mother. I don't think this person watched the same movie I did. I'm just going to cut my review short here, because there's nothing else I can say about this movie that hasn't been said before. What can I say? It's an original, traditional, 100% red-blooded, two-fisted, all-American Christmas classic. What the fuck is this? <laughs> uh, as far as parents go, the reviews are a lot meaner. Uh, it's a lot of like, this is this is really, this is not a great movie. There's a lot of cursing. I used to watch this as a kid, but I can't believe I had my kid watch it. That kind of thing. Uh, but parent Lulu. I don't even think there's that much cursing in it. it they said fuck. Of course people are going to freak out. They don't say fuck though, right? He, he says fudge. In the film, and then he's like, I said, he doesn't say, I said the fuck word. I wish he did. But he says, <laughs> he says, I said the the queen mother of all swear words, the F dash 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 word. I don't think they ever say fuck. I don't think they could have gotten a PG rating. That's true. I don't know. I think the insinuation is probably too much for a lot of parents. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's yeah, fair. okay. So this parent, Lulu D, they uh, they gave it three stars. The The tagline is funny with a side of racism. <laughs> this is an american classic in more ways than one it's not a terrible movie and has many funny moments but please it should not have its own official review screened for just skipping over racist crap i don't know what that means the scene in the chinese restaurant is not something to watch with your kids without pausing and explaining why it's offensive kids today still make fun of asian people including many native-born asian americans by using fake chinese accents it's hurtful and common sense media should note this stuff if they're going to note cursing and kissing they should at least note the racism as well i find that way more offensive than the cursing in this movie common sense yeah no that it's is honestly a very good point a great point common sense media needs to add an icon for stereotyping slash racism in movies doesn't mean you shouldn't watch movies with those issues, but be aware of them and point them out to your kids and tell them that it's not okay to do that out there in the real world or online. How okay, good actually, is that? I like this parent. This parent knows how to parent. That's the kind of parent I aspire to be. Oh, buddy. You know what you could do? When the baby is in its crib, their crib, when the baby's in their crib, you can just play this pod and no, then, that then, is... then then they will also love my voice that's true which i um, love but i i'm trying to think what is the most dirtbag dad thing i could do and it's play your own <laughs> podcast for the baby <laughs> jesus stacy's gonna Christ. love that one what an asshole thing to do to your own child <laughs> What I should do is just, you know, I have all the MP3s for this stuff archived. Is like I'm gonna wait till she gets to high school, and then like when I'm driving her carpool with her friends, I'm gonna be like, guys, did you know 
right around the time your friend Ariana Grande Ginocchio was born. <laughs> I recorded a podcast with my friend in L.A. <laughs> with Oscar and Emmy Award winner Nadia Basquiat. Yeah, exactly. With EGOT, <laughs> EGOT recipient <laughs> Nadia Vasquez. Oh, I love Ariana Grande Ginocchio <laughs> and her friends, Bella Swan and Edward Cullen. <laughs> and, and yeah, and then Bella and Edward are like, it's weird that we were born in 2018, a full decade after the Twilight books came out. It's also weird that we're named Bella and Edward and our brother and sister. And her brother and sister. <laughs> Oh, God. <clears throat> all in all, this movie is the worst. <laughs> yeah, it's trash, folks. Yeah. It is hot trash. Hot garbage. Do not watch it. Absolutely just the fucking worst. Definitely one of the worst ones we've watched. Um, yeah, I had a hard time getting through this one. I, this is when I wish we watched them together. Yeah. Because you would have been like, this pay is... attention. <laughs> like, so many better Christmas movies, folks. Watch Elf. Watch yeah. uh, Love Actually, although Love Actually has some extremely problematic parts. There are the the chase scene in the airport is still really sweet. I really like that. Yeah, uh, I like that. Though I the, mean, there are there are you know times when it's not great, but overall, it's it's all rooted in love, and this movie is not. Professor Snape is in it. Professor Trelawney's in it. Like it's great. <laughs> um, watch, uh, watch. Um, what are other good Christmas movies? Probably not Jingle All the Way. Uh, but there, there are other good ones out there, folks. Watch the Harry Potter Marathon on Freeform. Yes! Uh, that's much better. Or actually just watch the films yourself. Uh, start to finish without commercials. I also recommend that. That's a very good experience. Yeah, if you don't have the DVDs, I won't let you borrow them because I let someone borrow my Bubble Boy DVD in middle school and I never got it back and I don't okay, trust this anyone. Is the, this is the second time you've brought that up. I'm hoping and... that whoever fucking took it is listening and will send it to me anonymously because I missed that movie. Danny Trejo was great in it. <laughs> so, guys, seriously, it's like when people turn in like their their uh their drugs like when they turn in like their <laughs> prescription drugs or when the police have like a gun buyback it's like no questions asked <laughs> you just drop it off unmarked package yep. at Nadia's door mm -hmm. we will put her full address in the show notes <laughs> along with the times that she is usually home uh <laughs> yeah 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 i definitely want my copy of bubble boy and to get murdered <laughs> <laughs> um but folks thank you for listening this is going to be the last one i record for a little bit because Yay! i'm going to be raising a daughter oh my but goodness we, but we did record enough to take us through the end of 2018 so my hope is that at some point in 2019 we will be back because there's so much more horrible garbage to watch absolutely happy 20 gay teen everybody i am so excited for 20 by teen we're gonna oh that's good we're all that's gonna good. be bisexual and we're all gonna be happy and ariana grande ginocchio is gonna come into a beautiful very gay world we can only hope <laughs> folks probably should have instagram facebook twitter uh we'll see you next year bye